You're listening to The Bombad Generals. General? Oh. Hello, and welcome to The Bombad Generals, a competitive Star Wars Legion podcast. I'm Seth, and I'm here with Matt, and I hope you're not annoyed with him yet, but I'm also here with Dash. Oh, man, if they're getting, getting annoyed with me already, man... Outstanding. It's my all, those, <laughs> all those hot takes. Yeah, we weren't sure if you would make it today, Seth. So, to avoid calling back Mike about uh, as I was hitting the record button on this episode, I decided to uh, to have him on guaranteed. So we got a little three man booth going. We actually have a four man booth going on because we have. My daughter, I'm actually holding her as we record this podcast. I was going to say congratulations. We, we don't want to get too far without that. Little Jar Jar Roach Jar Jar uh, came Roach. into the world last week. Yeah, little Jar Jar Roach in my arms. And we were going to have a five-man podcast, but unfortunately Todd was unable to make it because he's actually reprogramming an IG droid to become my nanny. Man, what a guy. He's a good guy. Way to go, Todd. I have a big question for you guys that I was keeping a secret. In all of Star Wars, which droid or droid-like being do you think would make the best nanny caretaker droid? I think there's a clear answer. So I can go first, but I would say General Grievous. If you reprogrammed <laughs> General Grievous, four arms, ooh, he could get so much done. Any, uh, any other contenders? Is he a droid? He's a cyborg. He's close enough. I said droid-like specifically so I could fit Grievous in there. Then, yeah, I don't think there's another contender for a nanny droid than General Grievous. So I'll have to agree with you on that. Love it. Love it. Now, let's actually get onto topic with our next segment. What has this been running? Today, we're going to do something special with LVO coming up literally this weekend, as this is being published on Friday. Um... Both Dash and Matt are going to LVO while myself, I'm staying home to take care of my newborn. Um, so I want to I'm going to we're going to do a little interview where I ask Matt and Dash some questions about LVO. Dash, we're going to start with you. First of all, what are you what are you running for LVO? Lists are already due. I mean, lists are already submitted. So, well, they, we got another 24 hours, technically. It's true. It's true. Um. And I'm I'm actually flip flopping between two very similar lists. Both of them are five oh first. I'm I'm I want to say I'm memeing, but I'm actually the more I look at these lists, I actually think they might be okay slash even maybe good. Um, the one I'm the one I'm leaning towards running is Anakin with force push and force barrier, uh, two phase twos, one with a mortar, one with a Z six, both with clone medics. Uh, three full arcs, one arc strike with Echo, um, and then a bark uh, for a total of eight activations. Ooh. Wow. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Oof a... is right. <laughs> a madman. But it's a lot of beef. It is a lot of beef. It's like, it's a lot of wounds. And I think my hope is that between the pass mechanic and force barrier uh, and the medics, um, I mean, kind of weather, weather the initial engagement storm and then kind of come out guns blazing. We'll see. The other option is to take it up to nine activations and basically swap Anakin out for Rex and a clone commander. 
but I feel like the list sort of just dies to a lightsaber slash force choke. Yeah, force choke mm-hmm. especially. Like, if you don't have Ankin in there and Vader gets in those lines, you're you're just so done yeah. for. Yeah, and <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but uh, I'm, I'm expecting to see a lot of um, late-stage Anakin. Anakin version 2, as yeah, they say. Yeah, yeah so... So Dash, tell us some of your goals like with that list. Yeah, my my first goal is to make day two with 501st. Um, I have made it a pointed um, kind of point in the Gar Chat and Discord that I want to make sure that 501st never gets any buffs ever again. Um, and uh, so that's, that's, I think, my first goal. My second goal, I mean, is just to kind of test the pass mechanic and see if like eight activations is actually like a like a real thing um i'm not sure it is frankly uh but but uh you know you don't know until you until you try it right um and uh, we're entering a new if if there's a time when you can kind of take a list that is off meta and um maybe like break through after a really big rules change seems like a good place to do that you know catch some people off guard yeah so i think i think those are kind of my two two biggest things um i do think that lists you say you mentioned catching people off guard i think that is really a big thing in irl tournaments right on tts you know people have a chance to scout your list practice against it kind of think through the tricks but real life they get like a couple minutes and then it's go so you can really the surprise factor is a lot more important in real life yeah i think so um i mean (laughs) the last time i put down a full arc squad on the table um like was when i was playing arc star like way back in the day um and i just like putting three full arcs down look you're if you like come up to a table and your opponent puts three full arc squads down i sort of feel like i wouldn't know what to do i'd be like oh <laughs> this is what we're doing today huh and i mean not that like you know everybody that plays competitive legion has like a legion knowledge base to draw off but like there are situations that you just haven't been in before and i think I think mm-hmm. people really don't play 501st competitively, so it, there's like a decent likelihood they're they're going to literally have never played against my anything like my list before. Yeah, there's situations where you haven't played that match before, and there are situations where you haven't even thought about mm-hmm. that match before, and I feel like you could be in that uh, category. So even if you're a little, you know, less than optimized, potentially, you get some of that back by throwing a curveball at people totally let's play war weary all day long you know like let's have some fun i'm i think i'd like to try and force that as many times as possible fair fair shifting over to matt matt what are you running for lvo yes i'm kind of the exact opposite here in that i am running the most meta of meta lists and that of course is the one the only blizzard force so It's an Imperial officer with improvised orders, Darth Vader with force push, force choke, tenacity into the fray, a couple naked snowtroopers, 
two heavy response stormtrooper units with the DLT and the RT-97C, and then four bikes with emergency transponders. So that one's coming in at 782. It's a pretty standard uh, Blizzard Force list. The thing I was waffling on was the Into the Fray due to the deflect changes trying to get Vader a few more surges just so I can maybe feel a bit better if I have to spend them on offense. I can hopefully still have a few for defense. 18 points. It takes me out of that 20 plus bid zone into a slightly less than 20. So maybe that will be significant. I'm kind of hoping that people are scared off of bidding because they think ah, I'll be outbid by Blizzard Force anyways, so they won't bother in that 780 range. And if I actually run up into a mirror and someone is bidding more than me, that could be an advantage with the new tiebreak rules if I actually have a couple more points than them because then I start out the game winning. Yeah, I was actually thinking the exact same thing on that. Now, what are, you, what are some of your goals with running Blizzard Force? So usually I would put myself more in the category of Mike, where I would want to do something a little a little different, put my own spin on something, because that's where you get the glory, and I'm in it for the glory. Uh, there's no glory in winning with something that everyone knows is good, like Blizzard Force. But for me, really it's the fact that I want Blizzard Force to be nerfed is what's driving me here, which is a weird motivation, certainly something I've, I've never uh, been playing around before, but obviously before the rule changes, Blizzard was 100% top dog, no question. Afterwards, it's a little up in the air, I think it still could be, and if we can give some more evidence that that's the case, then I'm hoping that AMG will listen and, and make an adjustment before Worlds, because what I don't want to happen is people to think, oh no, Blizzard, it's it's not as good because now the bikes can't flank, yada yada yada. Not play it for LVO. And then we find out as we get more experience with the new rules, oh no, it's still disgusting and really good. And then we're walking into worlds where, again, every single list that we try to make that's not Blizzard, it's like, well, it kind of loses to Blizzard. So that was my thinking there. Either everything goes well, and hopefully Blizzard gets nerfed, or things don't go well, and I figure out, oh, okay, Blizzard's not actually as bad now with the changes. Hmm. Yeah, so with all the changes, list building is up in the air for everyone right now, unless you're playing a Blizzard Force, of course. <laughs> uh, each of you, how do you see the meta going? Like, what do you expect to see uh, at LVO? I think if people are kind of like looking at the core rulebook and kind of paying attention to what's happening, um, I, which I think people are, I kind of expect the meta to look like um, there's going to be, I think there will be a real focus on units with blast and sharpshooter. Um, uh, those keywords were already very good in the previous rule set, no doubt, but the just saturation of cover kind of, I think turns those keywords um, up to like the metaphorical 11 and I think um, with the addition of the climbing rules it's really difficult to in get like dedicated melee lists to um, to engage properly uh, I played against my buddy Sam um, who I believe is also going to go to Worlds uh, earlier in the week he played like a dedicated like m melee 
Wookiee list with like Anakin and Force Choke and literally like just ran across the board at me like as hard as he could. Um, and I just like, he, he, you know, basically still had heavy cover and I was able to kind of just shoot up the Wookiees in a way. And, and like he parked them behind line of sight blockers and everything. The, the, the main difference was that I was just able to go up and over the line of sight blockers. So it didn't matter anymore, you know? Um, so I, uh, that would be where I expect the meta to go. I think Sharpshooter and Blast are going to be big, and I think melee stuff is going to be a lot worse. I, I would agree with that. I think um, specifically I could see people, unless they're running Blizzard, shying away from bikes and units like that, which are kind of getting part of their value from, at least before, from being able to get those open shots. Now that they can't do that as much, they're not as efficient and maybe swapping back to more of a gunline style list where you know things like pikes shore troopers stormtroopers they're used to shooting into heavy cover you kind of assume when you put those in your list that oh yeah i'm going to be shooting into heavy cover because they weren't flanking before so i think maybe a more focus on gun lines i think we'll see probably people shying away from jedi at least the ones that require deflect to be you know good in a sense you know not require it to be good but definitely leaned on it before so probably not a lot of op luke or a lot of dooku probably a little less maul than you would expect otherwise and i think both of those shifts are actually things why i think blizzard force is set up well because if there's less force users floating around that's more a Vader who can do whatever the heck he wants. And if he can do whatever the heck he wants and there's a lot of heavies around, if your army relies on heavies, Darth Vader will take advantage of that because force choke one heavy, chop another uh, squad up, you know, force push another squad into him. He's taken out three of your shooty units in one activation. So I think he's really good for that. As far as some specific units, you know, Mike was mentioning sharpshooter, and Blast, so I think Boba Fett is really good in this new meta. He was already really good, and he's still really good. And if people are maybe playing less Force users, Boba Fett is kind of your non-Force user, Force user counter, the best one we have. So I expect to see a lot of Boba Fett. I think B2s have a lot of new life in these rules because they have a range 3 pool that ignores Blast. And if they are in heavy cover, heavy cover plus armor 1 is really good defensively especially when they have a lot of wounds so i think that would be a sleeper list as far as things that i would expect to do well i think we could see a few like you know b2 skews making making noise i also think um you know we're talking about blast and sharpshooter but i actually think it's really important to point out that i actually think strike teams are pretty close to probably just evaporating off the table at least the rebel and imperial ones they have a really hard mm -hmm. time shooting into heavy cover um just generally like they really want to be taking like light cover shots down to none and if they if they're like if, the, if you know you're gonna get heavy cover down to light shots with them taking them is a lot less good do we think you know do you th are you expecting nine acts to kind of be the norm i think that b2 skew that was doing well in uh australia i think that was a nine act that droid was. list yeah 
I actually, yeah, I could totally see like between the pass mechanic and strike teams being a lot worse. Like I could definitely see like the average activation count being like nine and a half or even closer to nine, <laughs> yeah. um, mm -hmm. which is actually one of the only reasons I'm like looking at this eight activation <laughs> 501st list and thinking May maybe this could be a thing. Um, just because I do think like the average act count is probably going to go down by one. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily think that's the right move. I still think 10 is a, really what you want to shoot no for. But I think whether it's right or not, I do think the activation count is going to be lower than we saw it mm -hmm. before by probably, yeah, about one activation. I mean, I think I think you're probably right in that, you know, I think a lot of people just like uh, undervalue just like having what an extra activation that does nothing brings. Um but I think if there's going to be a tournament where people bring less activations than normal because they haven't figured out that higher activations are still good, it's going to be this one. Yeah, yeah, it's still figuring things out. And I think we'll see some people, whether it's activations or in some other category, I think we'll see people overreacting, mm -hmm. right? I could see some people bringing really suppressive heavy lists that might be decent, but probably aren't going to be good enough to get to, you know, to your day threes and do well. Maybe they will, but I think probably suppression will also be one of those things that we see a little bit more of. Every tournament I've been, I feel like there's saturated with mall. Do we feel like mall is still a good competitive component? Or do you think he has kind of seen his last life in the competitive realm? I would be really nervous about running mall these days. Um, you know, I played a couple practice games recently, and my opponents were still running Maul, even after the changes. Uh, it's it's nerve-wracking, though. You know, Shadow Collective Maul, you're looking at upwards of 200 points, and you're not surging on defense in melee. Yeah, that makes me scared. That makes me pretty dang scared. And especially that combined with the fact that Shadow Collective cannot... Uh, have a Courage 3 commander for their core, that is uh, important as well when it comes to things like um, objectives and the new panic rules. Droid Maul, maybe, just because, I mean, he's still a guy with force push, and I think droids have new life, as I say, with some B2s, but I would feel personally very nervous having Maul. I think people are, generally speaking, overreacting to the deflect change. I'm not saying it's, like, not important, but I think it doesn't make... Like, those units are still good at what they are, like, have been good at. And, you know, a lot of times, like, having a dodge token in melee is still valuable. It's not that it's not valuable, it's just that it's less valuable, right? And, generally speaking you're probably going to take like one wound extra every time you spend a dodge token, which is not nothing. I, for me, I mean, just math wise, thinking about it, right? If you have a force user who gets punched for three damage mm -hmm. before a yep. dodge, right? Before you had only an 11% chance to double blank. And now you have a 25% chance to double blank, right? So you're, your downside risk is going up, totally. up, up. Now you can still mitigate it. You know, like Shadow Collective Mall has the three pip, 
so he where he can get some surges. I don't think Shadow Collective Mall loves into the fray just because then he doesn't have tenacity. His offense is kind of rough. He needs the dark saber and tenacity to really be the unit he wants to. That's do. yeah. That's the thing. Like I I could see. You know, Droid Maul, he can take Tenacity and he can take into the fray to kind of mitigate things. So it helps. Um, there are ways to work around it, but Force users are just, they were always, you know, a bad roll away from putting you in a really tough spot. And that's just amplified now. And when I'm talking about, you know, a tournament like LVO where it's, you know, whatever, nine rounds. Oh boy! Is it really nine rounds? Indeed, I I haven't looked. I think so because three rounds day one, you can take one loss, so two ones advance to day two, and then I think it's three rounds and three rounds. I I believe. I think it's a cut to the top four. I could be wrong about that. No, LVO is a cut to top eight. Adepticon is cut to the top four. Oh, am I am I confusing my event packets? That's very possible. Yes, it's the same to both. Time so I can I can understand that. Oh yeah, yeah. It could be a could be a long weekend. I'm gonna play nine games with five oh first this weekend, guys. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Not if you get bounced in day one because five oh first is illegal for unconventional Yo, warfare which, on Saturday. Which is bull. I gotta say, I was very <laughs> unhappy about that. Yeah, Brad, we're coming Brad. for you. You are now an enemy of the Bombad General. It's okay. I'm just gonna play Yoda Kenobi Anakin if. <laughs> if I, that happens, it'll be fine. That'll be fun. Playing against three forest bushes is a good time. So we're less than a week away from LVO. Are you guys doing anything specific to prep for LVO? Yeah, I can start this one off. Usually I try to get a practice game in in real life with the army I'm going to use just to see how they look on the table, make sure I can tell the units apart, just get used to the tactile nature of the army. Unfortunately, I I don't have time to do that this time around. So really all I'm doing is just reading the rules. I've already done my my core rulebook read. I'm gonna try to be reading all of the forum entries because this is kind of a unique circumstance where I don't wanna get caught out with any Mm. gotchas just because the rules are evolving on a a day-to-day basis. Yes, exactly. So that's a big thing for me. And then the other thing is just trying to get practice games against um, some different armies. So I've gotten a couple practice games against droids. And then uh, Seth and I are actually playing a game tomorrow night against where I'll be playing Blizzard into his clones. So that'll give me a chance to see what happens when I have limited pierce into red surging saves. So that'll be quite interesting, I think. Trying to run the gambit get as much experience under my belt as I can before, you know, the games actually count for something. Um, so this is going to go against conventional wisdom, but I don't like preparing for things. Um, I find that I, when I like prepare for a tournament, I tend to start overthinking things, second guessing myself Mm -hmm. and, um, letting, uh, anecdotal experiences color my decision trees. Um, whereas, uh, if I am like kind of in, I'm, I'm more apt to make the correct decisions in the heat of the moment without, um, you know, having that one time I had a practice game and my dude died and it felt bad, like color my decision. Right. Um, right. If you play a practice game and then, you know, your Vader blanks out when he shouldn't and then, 
in the real game, you're going to be more conservative with Vader when you shouldn't because you have bad yeah. memories. Yeah, sort of totally. Um, yeah. I definitely, I, that that affects me. Um, so I generally try and get like one or two games in. I'm definitely, I'm the list I'm putting on the table at LVO, I will have never played it before. I was hoping to get a game in tomorrow night, but it's not going to happen. So Have you ever put arc troopers on the table in real life my experience was that they were really good kind of the start of the pandemic so i painted some arc troopers and then they were nerfed to heck by the time real life play started up again so i've barely used them yeah in real life. that was probably a lot of my fault um <laughs> frankly uh i so <laughs> i <laughs> i played them I, maybe it was like invader league season five um that's not real life. No, no, We're no. no. I'm, I'm using life, this man. as a descriptor. Oh, okay. Um, I, I, uh, yeah. I played them through season five all the way to the finals where I unfortunately lost to Luke Cook in a nail biter. Um, Who was also running Arc He was not. He, he, no, he was doing the Rex Star, not Arc Star. He, he had. I, I'm sorry. That still has three units of Arc Troopers that's, in that's it. Fair. They're, They're just Strike Team Arc yes. Troopers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, a, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah. But I. They were very what I'm good. trying to say is that while that was going on, um, I had Kyle airbrush all my full arcs, um, like kind of prime them and spray them and stuff. And then by the time Invader League was basically over, like right after it, they got nerfed into the ground. Yeah. So I had this army like half painted that was basically my Invader League army. And I've, I've literally never put it on the table. Not once. How sad. I that is the great thing about tournaments is that they really give you mo uh, the kick in the butt that you need to go and paint Absolutely. things. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I've painted 17, 17 arc troopers in the last two weeks. They're, they're ready to go. I think that about does it then for our for our LVO look ahead. We're going to be trying to come with sort of we'll figure out how we want to do it, but some kind of nightly look-ins from on the ground in LVO because myself, Dashes, uh, and many other people will be there. So we'll see what we can do from a, a podcast perspective on that. So stay tuned, I'd say. Boom. Well, that wraps up for our LVO discussion. And here's the break. Attention all Star Wars fans. Are you looking for the ultimate addition to your collection? Introducing the Camtono Prop, a highly detailed and accurate replica of the iconic container used by bounty hunters in the Star Wars universe. Made with the highest quality materials, this prop is built to last and is perfect for display or cosplay. Don't miss out on the chance to own a piece of Star Wars history. Get your Camtono Prop, not an ice cream maker, today. Welcome back to the Bombad Generals, and now it is time for our top tactical tactic. Matt, what do you got for us today? Alrighty, so in honor of LVO, I have something that's kind of tournament specific, and I would say that that is dealing with concessions. Specifically, I think a lot of players concede games too early. Now, I understand that maybe you're not feeling it, you don't want to play it out, especially if things aren't going well for you. Or you've got somewhere to be, you know, you, you want a longer uh, break in between rounds. I get that. But if if you're really trying hard to win, make sure that you have absolutely no chance of winning before conceding. Even if it's a slim chance, just play it out. Just roll the dice. You don't know what's going to happen. So my top tactical tactic essentially is just until you have absolutely no win conditions, just keep playing. Don't concede too early. Unless you're playing me, in which case, <laughs> you, you know what? Concede early and often. 
as early as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd agree with that. I think, um, I, uh, I actually have two caveats to that. Um, I think that you should never concede even if, so if you're in a tournament and it matters, you should never concede even if you don't think there's a way Mm -hmm. out. Like, even if you think... You never know. Because, like, the amount of games that I've been, like, in the middle of turn three three to five and been like, this game is over. There's no way I can win. And then I get, like, to the the bottom of five and I'm like, I think there's actually a window here. Um, Is is more than I'd like to admit, frankly. Um, And sometimes it just creeps up on you and you don't notice it until it's, like, later in the game. Um, but I do think, or yeah. a part of the not conceding too early is even if you see the plays that are going to be your doom, make the opponent make the right plays. A lot of Legion, we've talked about this before, is taking advantage of your opponent's mistakes. Even if technically you should lose, even really good opponents will mess up sometimes and might give you that window back into the game. I think that's a really good competitive mentality while you're in a tournament. I Rest think that you should shy away from it while you're practicing, frankly. Um, I think if you make a, a large mistake that puts you in a situation, like a no-win scenario, like while you're practicing or testing, you should just reset the game and and, and kind of move on. Mm-hmm. Um, because that experience, theoretically, <laughs> is probably not going to be of tremendous value moving forward. Um yeah, you've already learned your lesson. If you've got time, just, you know, reset, go again. But if you don't have time for another full game, sometimes it doesn't hurt even in the games where you think that you're out of it. Keep going and see what happens uh, and how if you are able to claw it back better than you think. Well, that is it for our top tactical tactic. And now for our key keyword. Jump X as the key keyword today for a couple reasons. Uh, one is that there's been some changes that have come to light since we did our CRB review that I want to highlight. And I also want to kind of compare it to Climb. So, because honestly, when I've been playing games, when my guys have been climbing, I've been saying, oh, I'll just jump up here because it's basically the same thing, just slower. But Jump X... It's on Jedi, you know, Jedi, a lot of the Jedi have jump one, Mandos obviously have jump two with their jetpacks, unless you're old man Boba, because sad. The important thing that I want to highlight that changed in the new rules is that you can no longer jump off of terrain higher than X. So before there was a specific call out in the rules that if you had jump one, but you were starting on a height two piece of terrain, you could still jump down to the ground level. Now you cannot do that. So you don't want to get in a situation where you've jumped your Jedi up and then, hey, I need to get to the middle of the board and I need to jump down height two because that is not a thing anymore. So that's something to be aware of. Conversely, climb. So climb is basically a speed one jump. And I'm saying that as a good shorthand because we had a important uh, forum ruling there as well that there doesn't have to be anything that you could actually conceivably climb onto. So a good example is, let's say there's a bridge. It's not touching the play surface. It's just a bridge floating up. If you think about it conceptually, there's nothing to climb. It's just air and then a bridge. But 
as long as it's height one or below, you can still do a climb move onto said bridge up and down. So that's something to be aware of. I was actually just playing a game with Vader uh, the other day and I wasn't sure I hadn't seen this ruling yet so just to be safe I just continued walking across the bridge and then jumped off at the end or like there it goes climbed off at the end when there was solid a solid straight surface but if I had had to now Sword I know road. I can just ah. climb down from the middle of the bridge and go about my business so those are two things to be aware of with vertical movement and the changes there um, I think as long as we're talking about jump and climb, I think that it's it's important to note that um, jump is technically a standard move and climb is not. Um, and that's important because jump will trigger things like tactical and agile and climb does not. So if you want to uh, trigger tactical on your full arc units, better bring those jetpacks. Better shell out 10 whole points for those <laughs> yeah, bad boys. Yeah, it's absurd. You want to use your keywords? Pay an extra 10 points. Um, Do you want to become an overpriced version of Mandalorians, which are already overpriced? <laughs> Here. Jetpacks are for you. Thank you, Matt and Dash, for that top tactical tactic and that key keyword. That's it for today's episode of the Bombad Generals. Matt, Dash, good luck this weekend at LVO. I hope you guys make the final table one with the 501st and one with Blizzard Force. What a sight that would be. Gonna gonna need to look. That would be a great old guard, new guard kind of game. I hope so. I hope that's where we Ooh, can meet. Old guard, that. new guard. Ah, I don't know how I feel about that. In terms that. of lists, and that's I meant in terms of lists, 100% to be clear. This has been the Bombad Generals. Listening to Bob Band Generals is not scientifically proven to make you a better Legion player. Side effects may include bad dice rolls, missed triggers, game losses, bankruptcy, divorce, vomiting, and sudden death. Ask your doctor if Bombad Generals is right for you.